0: Well, hello again and welcome again to another podcast Down to Earth but Heavenly-Minded. I'm your host, Erbrich. Like I promised in my last podcast uh, to end the uh, study or the reading of the paper uh, from Keith Gorgas on uh, the Gospel of John, we're going to end with the the lord's table and the lord's supper this uh writing that we're going to be listening to going through is an email that i got from him and Keith put this paper together and it's really good and for those that are on the audio podcast i have a screen uh for my video podcast and it's just a loaf of bread and And a cup of wine and a Bible sitting on a table. And this is truly one of the uh, ordinances that the Lord gave us. Really, the church only has two ordinances, and that's baptism and the Lord's table. And the baptism is a picture of us dying, being buried and raising from the dead uh it's a picture of our future and what's going to happen in the chapel that i attend uh, and the fellowship that i belong to uh we have a picture on the wall of the lord's table but every lord's day we have a table that sits in front of us and It's got just a loaf of bread and a cup on it, and then two baskets for a collection. That's all we we have, very simple, simple elements, but they have a very deep meaning. So with that said, I'm just gonna start our reading and uh, I'll be back afterwards, so stay tuned. And have patience. Be back in a minute.
1: The the Lord's Table and the Lord's Supper. Primary Scriptures Luke 22, the Last Passover and the Institution of the Lord's Supper. Peter and John asked the Lord where he wanted them to prepare the Passover meal. The Lord told them that when they came into the city, they would meet a man carrying a pitcher of water, and they were to follow him into a house. Nothing was left to their own imagination or discretion. The Lord then told them that the man would show them a guest room. This brings before us the transient nature of the Lord's Supper as it is to be kept until He comes. It was a place where He would eat with His disciples, that is, they would share a meal. The Lord's Supper is a reciprocal event. We offer up to him the praise and worship as the Holy Spirit leads, and he feeds us with himself. Verse 12 And he will show you a large, furnished upper room, prepare it there. This room is large. It can accommodate every child of God. It is furnished. It has a table to enjoy a meal together at. It is an upper room, separated from the world. They were to prepare the meal there. There is a moral preparation to precede the Lord's Supper. We are to examine ourselves and judge ourselves. We are to prepare our sacrifice of praise and worship. Giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance with the saints in light. Psalm 45 verse 1 and 2 My heart overflows with a good theme, I address my verses to the King, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the sons of men, grace is poured upon thy lips, Therefore God has blessed thee forever. When we read the account in the book of John, we find that the Lord washed the disciples' feet before they ate the supper together. We need the living water of the Word of God to cleanse away the dirt we pick up in contact with this world in preparation to eat his supper. The Lord then instituted his supper, teaching them that the bread symbolized his body, given for them, and the wine represented his blood that was shed for them. He bore our sins in his own body on the cross. He was subjected to the harshest physical abuse any man ever endured. He was beaten, punched, and spit upon. His beard was pulled from his face. His face was marred more than any man. Then in the three hours of darkness, the Lord bore the punishment due to us for our sins. When it was over, he cried with a loud voice, finished, before yielding up his life to his father. A Roman soldier, in one last act of hatred, took a spear and ripped open his side, out of which poured his lifeblood and water. His shed blood was proof that he had laid down his life. 1 Corinthians 10 Here we are introduced to the subject of the Lord's Table. In the Old Testament, the Lord's Table was the table of showbread, on which each day twelve loaves of leavened bread were placed each day, giving representation to the twelve tribes of Israel. Even after Israel divided, with the ten northern tribes following Jeroboam and only two remaining faithful to the Lord's center in Jerusalem, twelve loaves were placed on the table each day. We can see from this that Jehovah wanted to maintain communion with his people, and viewed them as one nation in his plans despite their abandonment of his temple. Now in verse 15 we begin. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless the sharing, communion, koinonia, of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the sharing, koinonia, of the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The word translated communion or sharing is koinonia. This word means a union based on a common life source. It is not doctrinal agreement or common thoughts, but something deeper and elemental. As children of God, born of the Holy Spirit, we share in God's life. We have been made partakers of the divine nature. We have that in common with every other child of God. What Paul is telling us here is that in sharing the cup of blessing, we acknowledge and declare that we are all cleansed by the blood of Christ. Our title to dine at the Lord's table is the shed blood of Christ. As we partake of the one loaf upon the Lord's table, we recognize that we are members together of Christ's body. And the scripture goes on here using the illustration of Israel partaking of the sacrifices being identified with the altar on which they are offered. The altar gives character to the sacrifice. It is the Lord's table that gives character to the Lord's supper. The table being the Lord's indicates his ownership of it. It is his table, not ours. He has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Our cup runs over, he has rights over it he sets the terms of it. We are in a place of submission to him, and he has brought us into his banqueting house, his banner over us is love. He has claimed to it. It is his, and his authority must be owned. If we set up a table, a place of communion with our own rules, it is our table, not the Lord's table, so the supper we eat is our own supper and not the Lord's. We assert our own authority, and it takes us out from under his authority. We have pushed him from the head of the table to a seat off to the side. If we limit the participation at the table to our little or large group, it is our table. His table, spread in a large upper room, contemplates every blood-bought member of Christ who is walking as a chapter. The only fellowship recognized by Scripture is the fellowship into all saints are called. Here also, in 1 Corinthians 1, the same word koinonia is used. The Lord added daily unto the church such as were to be saved. They became members of the church by new birth, not by some joining or reception process. These things are man's invention and are akin to building wood, hay, and stubble onto God's building. It will not stand the test of fire. The Apostle Paul notes the impossibility of eating from both the table of demons and the Lord's table. To do so is to provoke him to jealousy. Now we will move on from to the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians where Paul will share detailed instructs regarding the Lord's Supper. In Corinth, the rich were dining and getting drunk at their communion meals while the poor had nothing. Paul informs them that this is not the Lord's Supper. If we celebrate a communion meal but it is only open to members of our group, it cannot be called the Lord's Supper. His supremacy has been denied. Ours has been insisted on. In verse 23, Paul informs us that what he is writing comes directly from the Lord, not from the accounts given by the other apostles. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, in the same night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it, and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. It was the most elemental of human foods, made from wheat. He was that corn of wheat that died and was buried. From his death came many more like him. We read in the 104th psalm that, with bread he strengthens the heart of man. In the remembrance of him, our hearts are strengthened week by week. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He spoke to them from all the scriptures, showing that all the prophets agree that Christ must first suffer and then enter into his glory. Then the Lord took bread and gave thanks for it, passing it to them. They sought his nail-pierced hands and recognized him for who he was. They got up that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, reuniting with the other disciples in the upper room and related to them how the Lord walked and talked with them, and how he was made known unto them in the breaking of bread. It also says in the 104th Psalm, With wine he makes glad the heart of men, so in verse 25 we read in the same way he took the cup also saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. We are to recollect that our sins cost Him His life. His love went all the way into death for us. His blood forever bears witness in heaven to our sins having been washed away. His blood cleanses us from all sin, past, present, and future. To partake of the bread and the cup in an unworthy manner, with unconfessed and unjudged sin on our consciences, or with a careless attitude, is to eat and drink condemnation or judgment to ourselves. It is a failure to rightly appraise the body of Christ, the temple of God. In Corinth, the careless attitude was the cause of sickness and even death within the body. When we eat and drink, we link the whole body of Christ with whatever we are going on with in our lives. The remedy was not to withdraw from fellowship at his table but to clean up our act. We are to rightly judge ourselves. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. If we need to repent of something, perhaps careless thoughts or acts, then let's do that, and with a fresh and clean heart go on to eat that bread and drink the cup. In doing so, we show forth the Lord's death, that is, to put it on public display for the world and angels to see. We do not freshly sacrifice the Lord. His sacrifice was once for all. We remember it his life and death and display a pageant of it. I will close with several quotations from the Old Testament that illustrate remembering him. First from the story of Joseph in prison, Joseph interpreted a dream for the king's cupbearer. Joseph said, but remember me when it is well with you. We who were lost guilty sinners have been delivered from so great a plight and have been elevated to the king's table. It is well with us now. Our hearts and our love are refreshed as we remember him. Ecclesiastes 9 There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came and surrounded it and built large siege works against it. This was our plight. Our adversary, Satan, had us in a terrible situation. But there was found in it a poor wise man and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor wise man. We are so apt to forget the Lord, the one who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor. We are set free from Satan's bondage and we go on our merry way as if nothing happened. This is a natural tendency, because we have fickle careless hearts. Isaiah 26 verse 8 Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, Lord, we have waited for you eagerly, your name, and remembering you, is the desire of our souls. When we are following the way of his judgments, his path, we want to be reminded again and again of his love. His name is like ointment poured forth. Our hearts desire to remember Him in the way He has prescribed. This produces real heartfelt worship. It cannot be held back. When we contemplate His coming out from the glory of heaven, being born to a poor virgin, living a sinless life of devotion to His Father, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, and making the lame to walk we can feel nothing but love and admiration. When we tarry with Him for an hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, and follow Him to Pilate's Hall, up Golgotha's Hill, and survey the wondrous cross on which the Lord of glory died, when we silently stand with shoes off our feet and through the darkness see wave after wave of God's holy judgment breaking over him what can we do but bow and worship? When we watch the soldier pierce his side and tender arms take him down from the cross and lay him in the grave, and when we see the empty tomb and hear the words, He is risen, how can we hold back the praise, the fruit of the lips which he has created? Lamentations 3 verses 19 and 20 Remembering my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. The Lord remembers what he went through for us, and he calls us to remember with him. Well,
0: this ends uh, the reading. Uh, When we were going through the Gospel of John, I had made mention of this scripture that Keith is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 on the institution of the Lord's Supper and uh, partaking of the bread and the cup. But also he had mentioned about the 12 loaves and the 12 tribes. Of Israel in the Old Testament uh, table of showbread. And, but thinking about the Lord's table, there's only one loaf. And that's because we have one Lord, one Savior, one church. I brought this up before. There's a lot of oneness, uh, and there should be oneness in our relationship with one another. Uh, Yes, we're one body, but many members, Christ being the head. Also, uh, the fact that one loaf and everybody partakes of that one loaf. We don't have a lot of loaves. And the reason for that is, is because every Christian should partake of the one Lord. And that's really what I see represented in the one loaf of bread. Yes, we break it, and we set it on two different platters, but it's the same loaf. Christ's body was broken for us. And when we pass the bread around in our fellowship, uh, there's the main aisle, and there's people sitting on this side, people sitting on that side, and one tray goes this way, one tray goes that way, and everybody's partaken of that same loaf. That's so important to remember. I thought this was a real good paper that uh, Keith put together. He emailed it to me, and I thought I would share it at the end of our study in the Gospel of John. And I hope you enjoyed going through all this with me. And uh, with that said, I'm going to end our podcast until next time. I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. I, I'm not sure. Every time uh, I say something, I like to add, Lord willing. You know, I'm getting to be an old man. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing these podcasts, but as long as I have breath and I'm able to do it, uh, I want to share the things of God with you. And in closing, I just want to say this. I worship the Lord every Lord's day, unless I'm sick or whatever, but uh, I worship the Lord in between Lord's days. In other words, I worship the Lord every day. And when we sit down for a meal, just like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus shared a meal with the Lord, when we sit down for a meal and the Lord has provided our substance uh, for that day, that meal, we are to make him a guest. So when we sit down, we thank the Lord for the meal. In everything we do, no matter in word or deed, it says, we are to do unto the glory of God. We can worship the Lord by uh, acknowledging him in everything that we do, and remember the Lord until he comes. But we have this special meal, uh, the Lord's table. And I talked about uh, the 23rd Psalm. And in fact, uh, Keith even mentioned it in his paper. The Lord has prepared for us this table in the presence of our enemy. Yes, we're in Satan's domain. And we will be until the Lord takes us to his domain and then we will come back with him and uh when he sets up his kingdom and we will reign with him for a thousand years and then the lord is going to make everything new and we'll go off into eternity and spend the entire eternity uh with the absence of time no more days no more uh no more time And also, no more night, by the way, because the Lord will be the light of the world. With that said, I'm going to end our podcast. Till next time, Lord willing, bye for now.